Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Elisa Coton. Before we get to Elisa, I have a few announcements. First and foremost, please go to our website. That is TravelTalesPodcast.com. Go there. You can see articles that I've written. You can see articles that some of the guests have written. You can see photos of our guests. You can see links to all their social media. You can see links to all our social media. And that is, of course, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. There's a link to our Facebook page. And hey, we're on Spotify now. That's right. It's what all the kids are doing. So try to get us there if that's how you get your music and podcasts. And of course, there's always Stitcher Radio and iTunes, or I should say Apple Podcasts. That's what they're called now. There are links to all those there. And if you're on any of those, uh, please, please give us a good rating. That helps more people find the show. It boosts our presence there so people can find us. And that's a good thing. I like nice things. I like ratings. I'm needy that way. You think you would be a good guest on the show? Or do you know somebody who would be a great guest? Well, then you can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. If you reach out, you never know. You might be on the show. Today's guest is someone I met in Beverly Hills at a Travel Massive event a meetup group that I go to on occasion when I'm in town. And I can meet other travel professionals and bloggers and writers and uh, people who like travel, basically. And Elisa has her own website called The World Traveled. That's with an E-D at the end, theworldtraveled.com. And she organizes uh, seminars and meetup groups herself. I went to one in uh, Santa Monica. And she is someone who flat out loves travel. I mean, we all love it, but she really loves it. And she's the first to admit that it helped change her life. It did change her life. She had a lot of pain and darkness as a younger person that we talk about. And travel is something that's brought great joy and meaning to her life. She's been to a lot of places. She's done a lot of crazy things. She doesn't just skim the surface when she travels. She goes deep. And she goes to far out-of-the-way places that most people have never been. So I found her very fun and engaging and a great ambassador for this thing we love called travel. So please enjoy my conversation with Elisa Coton. Elisa? Hmm? Not Elisa. How many people have gotten that wrong? Everybody. Your entire life. I have a very difficult name. People apparently like to call me Eliza and it makes my head cringe. Yeah, why? Okay. I have no Z. What is, what, where does Elisa come from? Uh, it's my middle name. I didn't like my first name. Okay. I was named after my grandfather who was Leo and <laughs> my name is Lenore. So oh. it was Lenore Elisa. And because I modeled when I was a kid and my middle name was Elisa, my modeling name was Lisa. And so I kind of grew up he hearing that. Okay. So I changed it when I was 15 to Elisa. Oh, you yeah. changed it officially? Like, I actually did. And then when I got married, my ex-husband would only call me Lenore when I told him that to was my real name. 
I, that should have been my first yeah, that's clue, a bad not sign. to. I mean, and I married him anyway, and legally changed it back. And now it's not as easy as it used to be. It used to be very easy. Now I'd have to file so much paperwork. Yeah. What so, kind of hassles do you get on your passport and everything else? Well, everything says Lenore Lisa, so okay. it's uh, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> Where did you grow up? I grew up here in Los Angeles in Beverly Hills. An I went actual yeah. native. I'm. <laughs> I'm an L.A. native. We're a rare wow, breed. Wow, we don't meet too many of them. <laughs> no, I'm definitely a rare breed. Did you ever leave and uh, live in another part of the country or world? Nope, I've never You've lived never? anywhere. But I've I think tra- it'd be good for you. Though. I've traveled the world, but I haven't lived anywhere. I'm considering Australia, but... Yeah, well, that's an easy one. I know. It's, well, it's, it's, I would, e- it's hard to get a work visa. It I is. Heard, um, but for like, it's not a big culture shock. No, I just applied for a job with Tourism Australia, actually. But um, yeah, I would love to live in either Uganda. Actually, that would Uganda be or my Australia. First. Those would be my two. Those are two quite different. Oh, I love Uganda. I just got back. I was there. I volunteered at an orphanage for a month in June. Oh my god! And it was just amazing. I loved it so much. Okay, so well, well, let's get to that right now. Then, why okay. Uganda? And how many times have you been there? And what was this charity? Okay, well, I've been to Uganda three times. And I've never been. Oh, my God. It, it's I've been a, around like, it. I've been to Tanzania and Kenya. Okay, no, no, no. You need to hit Uganda. Like, it is one of the best countries. It's one of my favorites. I, the first time I went, I, sp- I spent a month there. And they're known, of course, for gorillas uh, in the jungles. Yeah, uh, that's why they're there's in, in wildlife. There's scenery. There's music. There's dance. There's so much culture around the country. It's fantastic. And so I spent a month going around Uganda, and then I went back because oh, I had raft. I had whitewater rafted the Nile, and I had a pretty rough flip on what's called the bad place, and it's a rapid <laughs> that most people will not named, go on. It like. Well, it's a it's a guarantee flip. So the trip was funny because when I first met my guide at the airport, he I hired this one driver to take me around for the month. And he was wearing a cap that says, I survived the bad place. And I was like, well, what is that? <laughs> so when I finished rafting the Nile, he actually gave me his hat because uh, it was such a bad flip and they couldn't find me. I had been pulled down and dragged underwater and the safeties couldn't find me. It was the most intense flip. Well, the next day was my birthday, and I was supposed to rappel down Sippy Falls, but uh, I was kind of traumatized by the whitewater rafting thing. So anyway, I was so determined to do the rafting trip. The next time I was in Africa, I was on like a three and a half month trip, and I was doing West Africa and Israel and Ethiopia. I made it a point to go back to Uganda for three days just to repel Sippy Falls. And there's this photo where I'm like this little dot next to this massive waterfall. (laughs) There were no tourists around and three young guys that under 20 hook me up with all my lines. And I'm look, there's nobody around for miles and miles. I'm the only one. And I trusted them and just like plunged over the side and went down the fall. Like it, it was totally insane. It was so crazy. And then I went back the third time just this June because the first time I went, I, um, I visited Watoto Orphanage and I was really impressed with it. And life's been a little complicated and difficult for me in the last couple of years. And I really felt like I needed to give back and do something of meaning. And so I decided to volunteer at this orphanage. And so I was with the preemies and the infants. And then I was with the toddlers. And we did a medical mission in Gulu, northern Uganda. And we saw our doctors that flew in and volunteered saw almost um, 
5,000 patients in five days. Wow. It was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. It was beautiful. It was an amazing month. How does Uganda compare with Rwanda in terms of tourism and safety and, and getting around? Um, when I was in uh, Uganda, I went to Rwanda as well. And for me, there was a difference of the feel of the people just crossing the border. You could actually, for me, I felt it. Ugandans are some of the most friendly, welcoming people. Like, I love their culture. They're very Christian in nature. They're very welcoming. They're super friendly. And when I went to Rwanda, I felt like it was more serious and you could see the seriousness of the people. Now, I did do guerrilla treks in both countries and they both offer something totally different. And in Rwanda, I got to go to the where Diane Fossey um, is buried with Puck and Digit and her favorite mm -hmm. gorilla. So I did that trek as well. And I got hit by a gorilla in Uganda. Hit? I did. He almost dislocated my shoulder. You get, like, you get that close? You're up close and personal. And we're not supposed to touch them, but... It was crazy. So but you did. They, no, they touched me. This one, it was like a seven-year-old blackback. And so they were playing. And I don't know if he wanted to play with me. But you know how you like flick someone's shoulder and like, like, hey, or get out of the way? This gorilla like flicked my shoulder and I flew in the air. Like it, <laughs> it was the most, it was totally intense. Yeah, and they're super strong. Super freaking strong. <laughs> and like... And you're right there. So, and then this in, that was Uganda. And then when I was in Rwanda, I got pooped on. And I wrote a blog, a, a story about it on my website that pooped on by a gorilla in Rwanda. And he was, his face was here. He was on my right side. And I thought it was a person because you're all like on top of each other. And I was filming a silverback right in front of me. And then I'm feeling whatever. And the next thing I know is my peripheral on the right side, I had eyes staring at me. We were face to face, this gorilla and I. He was nibbling my ear. People filmed it. And then he walked by me. And as he walked by, he pooped on my arm. It was just the weirdest thing. He pooped on your own. Yeah, they started calling me Gorilla Lady because they didn't know anybody who'd had so much like contact with these gorillas. I wonder if that's a sign of some kind of like <laughs> territorial thing or maybe like <laughs> affection me, or something. I, yeah. don't, I don't know, but it was hysterical. Well, tell us what your uh, blog is and how long have you had it? Oh, wonderful. So uh, I own The World Traveled and it's The World Traveled. The World Traveled. With an ED. Past tense. Yes, I have to say yeah. <laughs> all the time, dot com. And I've had, I started the website as like a hobby to put my photos up from where I started traveling because now I guess I've been to over, I guess, 84 countries on all seven continents. And so I was putting up photos. And then, of course, I started writing and then I was connecting with companies and it just turned into a, like a very cool site. And I ha then I started my travel meetup groups. So I get I put my meetups on the site as well. It's really fun. Okay. I saw your I saw you at one of your meetups here in Santa Monica. Yes. And I, that's why I assumed you lived over here and then uh, I made you drive all the way from Van Nuys. <laughs> and I apologize for that. No, no, no. It's it's great to be here. I'm so excited. So what was your life before the blog? And uh, uh yeah, what's your what was your career or uh, is your career? Yeah, so I wish I wish travel and blogging was my career. One day maybe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have hope. Uh, but I started uh, in retail. 
and that kind of got me through college. I have a degree in psychology, and I ran a group home for girls and decided that wasn't for me. And then I started doing graphic design, and I I realized that that wasn't for me. (laughs) And then it just very naturally and organically... Uh, I became an event planner and out of hobby, it became my career. I was written up in the LA business journal as like an entrepreneur because I started hosting. Now this will make you laugh and it's going to totally age me, but AOL chat room parties. Ooh, you've got mail. (laughs) Can I hear you? I, I get it. I just thought of that last night because I had my windows open in my building here and I could hear somebody say, You've got mail, like somebody in the building still using AOL. I, I still have mine just because I've had it forever. I still, I do, I do too. Yeah, it's so funny. It's but free. I mean, do you remember chat rooms? Like they had, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I created parties from them, and I was going to do a marathon for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society for TNT, and so I decided to throw a party with. Um, the chat rooms to raise money. And I started getting donations from restaurants and companies and I would get 200 people at every event I was doing and I was raising thousands and thousands. So the first marathon I did was in Dublin, Ireland. Oh, wow. Okay. And so after the, I spent a month in Ireland when I did that one. And then my second one, I did the New Orleans marathon and then I did the 39-mile Avon breast walk, uh, walk for breast cancer. And I did the Malibu Sprint Triathlon. And I was doing them all for charity. And I just kept using these. And so it went from that into me booking music for events, into me working as an event manager. And I used to work at Skirball. And then I was a assistant director of catering at the Odyssey. Mm-hmm. And so, and now for the first time, I'm actually trying to transition from my event planning, which has been most of my life, into the travel world. So all this time, all through this whole work career and everything else, you were traveling. On your own mostly or with your ex-husband or with friends or? I was married for a bleep, so it Okay. Doesn't even count, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it was like under well, what's a year. he called you and, and by the ni- name you hated? That I was, was nineteen it. years old and divorced 19? by twenty. It oh doesn't my God. count. Yeah, no, it doesn't that. count. So I started traveling at twenty-two, and I went on my first trip. Uh, I backpacked through Europe, um, and me too. That's that's usually it's all such our a good first one. First one, yeah, it's such sure. a good first one. Um, I remember I brought these massive bottles of shampoo and conditioner because who knew you could buy that stuff? <laughs> and I cried my first night in Spain with my backpack because I was my back was breaking. I mean, live and learn. Like I couldn't believe you brought they had the Encyclopedia mi- Britannica. I couldn't believe they had back. microwaves in England. Like <laughs> I was like the most ignorant American traveler. It was hysterical. Like you had never left the country until no, okay, not so until then, and nobody. In my my family traveled. Yeah. So you didn't go like as a kid, did you ever take like trips? <laughs> no, our family didn't take trips. Really? I, I you were come... the one Beverly Hills family that didn't? Yeah. Were you the slums of Beverly Hills family? It's sort of something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, <laughs> what kind of work was your dad at? Um, Show business? Let's say he was in sales, a salesman. <laughs> my, okay. my, my family is, I, I had a tough, up, it was a tough upbringing. So, not so we didn't. We did not have a normal family. So this was slums of Beverly Hills. He's I a drug had, dealer. It sounds like I had no um, role models as a kid. Okay, and then my yeah. And so, so you're making this up as you go along, sort of. Okay, I'm trying to avoid. You're doing fine. This. So I, I would say what happened is my travel started from tragedies. 
after my sister committed suicide in 89, I decided to go visit my brother who had been in Europe. So I went there and that's when I did my backpacking trip. In 89? 89. I might have seen you there. Okay, wait. Hey, Mike. Did you go? Because I was there in 89. Now we're both dating ourselves. But um, I was there the last summer of the Berlin Wall. Did you go through? I was there. I got to go both sides. Yeah, me too. And I still I, have some East German money wait, somewhere. Wait, me too. I put it under my sock. <laughs> <laughs> because they said, like, if you get caught, you could get put in jail. And it was illegal to take money from East Berlin out of the country. And so I put it under my sock. And I was very proud of myself. That's when I first learned how to um, steal. <laughs> <laughs> Smuggle. Smuggle, that's the word. Okay, so... So, so then the next one, so that was 89, and then 94, the earthquake happened in Northridge. Well, I was a manager at the Bullocks that that fell into the ground at the mall. Oh, wow. And so I was on the news. They interviewed me, and I lost my job. There was no place to work. So I decided to go on my second trip. And I went to Indonesia for a month and a half. And I went to Sulawesi, Sumatra, Kalimantan. I mean, I did the real Indonesia, not just Bali and Java. Solo. Totally solo. And I'm telling Sulawesi and Sumatra are amazing. And then I was in Borneo or Kalimantan with the orangutans. So I actually spent time in the jungles with them, cruising up the steep, uh, not the steep, but cruising up the um, Sekonia River and it all by myself with this one guy in a boat <laughs> in wow. the jungle okay. and staying by myself in the jungle with these animals. And it was intense. Like I got to meet Kusasi, who was the king of the jungle at that time. He was this monstrous and he, they, he was orphaned. And he has a huge, massive story. He's now gone, but he... This is, Kusasi is... Kusasi was the orangutan, the king okay. of the jungle. And I actually got, not only did I meet him. This one ape is the king touched. of the jungle, officially? The king Who of the crowned d- him the king of the jungle? Um, there's always one orangutan that is rules that the, rules the area. The A, he's and the it was him. Alpha. But he was orphaned, and they thought he had died. And one day he showed up, and he fought his way. He fought every orangutan to get to be the king. And when I met him... He got submissive through the week that each time I would see him and he laid on his belly and he put out his hands and I would talk to him eye to eye and I said, I respect you. And I said, I know you're a survivor. And I said, I, I really, I, like, I'm so happy you lived all these things. And I'm just talking to him eye to eye and I'd get closer and closer. <clears throat> and they never allowed people to go that close to touch him. But two men took me one holding a gun, and we went, and I got on the ground, and I put my arm out, and he grabbed my hand, and I was stroking his rough paw like thick leather, and then he got a little excited because he took his other hand and started pulling on my arm, and he was just like, and they were yelling, Kosasi no, Kosasi no, and I just was very calm, and then we stroked again for another minute, but then they said I had to pull back because he was getting a little... Handsy, playful, and then he pooped on your arm. He did not poop on my arm. <laughs> well, you, <laughs> yeah, I was wondering where that story was going because it got a little. Well, that was pretty amazing. I mean, yeah. I got to touch the king of the jungle. This seems like, like very unsafe. This seems totally, like very dangerous. It was the stupidest thing to do. Like it was, <laughs> but he did a movie with um, Julia Roberts, 
And there was, um, she did a documentary with Kosasi. Oh. And he did the same thing to her. And they shut off the camera because apparently he liked her too. But he really got handsy with her. Oh, okay. And they really had to stop it. But, um, and you could see she was quite nervous when it happened. But it's a cool documentary. And she did a great job with him. So, okay, you, you take this big trip. I do. Was that, that was your first, I mean, kind of like solo, I'm doing it? Europe first solo. Yeah. Indonesia first solo adventure. And my third one was, again, another tragedy. Led me to my third. My mother had passed away. But while she, when the day she died, she's like holding my hand. She says, I know, honey, you're going to be on a plane to Africa. Two, or how did she say it? Like four months after I die. No, she said like a month after I die. And I said, Mom, I'm still going to be doing paperwork. It'll take me at least two months. And literally, like it was, and I, it, it was, she knew because that's where I wanted to go next was Africa. And it was about two, three months later. And I was on the plane for my first two month trip to Africa by myself. Was that your first Uganda trip? No, I didn't go to Uganda that one. I went to Egypt, Kenya, Tanzania for safari for three and a half weeks. It was in Egypt for three and a half weeks. Then I went down to Zimbabwe, uh, did some whitewater rafting on the uh, Zim- Zambezi. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Uh, did an open helicopter over Victoria Falls and like some cool stuff, some bungee jumping. And so that was pretty awesome. And, uh, but I've been to 15 countries in Africa now. So I'd say probably my favorite continent. Yeah, it sounded like it. Yeah, 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 I love it. I mean, you obviously stand out when you're going through Africa. <laughs> a little uh, bit. Give me your, uh, the, any marriage proposals. Every woman I know from the... I have fallen in love in a lot of countries, so... (laughs) (laughs) I I was there in South Africa. We were in... I can't remember. I think we were in Cape Town somewhere at a bar, and one of the women I was with, he had offered, you know, say, I'll give you... We have cows. You know, he he was offering... cows and sheep. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you got a dowry happening. That's hysterical. (laughs) No, but like some of the people I still talk to and like, you know, please come back and, you know, but I, yeah, I've had some amazing experiences overseas. (laughs) I'm just going to say it's, it's been good. Well, any, like we'll we'll focus on Africa right now. How, any troubles passing borders, any inner, any run-ins with police or officials? So I would like to knock wood, uh, but I don't want it to be on the mic. But, um, you know, I thank God have really not had too many incidences when I've traveled. I did. The one funny one was actually in Germany. uh, And, I wanted a new belt, a leg belt, because I like to wear a money belt that wraps around the leg. And don't find them in too many places. And there was a store in Germany, but I wanted to compare it to the one I was wearing and make sure it fit. So I sat on the floor and I opened the package and I, you know, put it on and I decided, you know, I really didn't like the Velcro on it. So I decided I wasn't going to buy it. And as I'm leaving the store, the bells go off and three men in uniform and guns, they, they grab me and they take me into this office and they thought I was stealing and I mean, it was like an international police force. It was three men. Like one was German. One was, I mean, it was like frightening. Yeah, like Interpol on you. It was really scary. And like, I had to show them like, here's mine. I'll show you where it is. It's in the box. I didn't take it. Like, it was a big thing. It was hysterical. Anyway, we all ended up having a blast. We ended up going out for drinks that night. And the funny thing was, it was Woolworths. <laughs> <laughs> 
cracks me up. Like Woolworths. And it was Woolworths. It was huge. It was just so funny. Oh. Like, yeah. Well, thank God you got out of that. No, it was. And the only other time, like at a border, it was actually in Uganda and Rwanda. And we just got to the border too late. We were trying to get out of Rwanda into Uganda because I had another gorilla truck in the morning. And, and fortunately, they went and let us through. And we were there for a few hours. So we ended up going out and we had Waragi, which is the most disgusting alcohol, but boy, is it potent. <laughs> and we went and we shot pool at a bar and we found like a local hostel or whatever to stay at for the night. And then we just took off early in the morning. It was for me, it was no big deal. My guide was freaking out. And I'm like, hey, let's just go enjoy this. And so for Uganda and, your, and Rwanda, what are I have heard of this, that the gorilla tracks especially are pricey. Yeah, when I went, uh, my gorilla trucks were about $500 each. Uh, that's that just to day? enter the national park. It's one wow. hour. One hour. One hour with the gorillas. Ooh, I heard yeah. it's a kind of a, a hike up there. Yeah, it can be a hike. Well, here's the funny thing. What people don't realize, Rwanda's more difficult than Uganda. And um, the stinging nettles will get you. So they're they're painful. So like you, people, I suggest people bring like a little rain rain pants. Okay. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So the trucks are kind of intense, but... What I heard was that they really know the gorillas are just on the mountain. Like, they're really close, but they take you through a rougher walk and make it more intense so you have the gorilla experience. But half the time, they're so close, they don't even need to do that, which I thought was super funny. (laughs) (laughs) They do it. So you can't just bring you in there for an hour. You got to get your money's worth. Yeah. You got to work for it. And they're on like, they're on the walkie-talkies and they'll they'll say the spotter up ahead has found them. We just have to go this way. And it's just really funny the way they operate that. Well, do they feel that, isn't there a risk of that these people coming up all the time is going to affect the, the gorilla's behavior and their uh, I don't environment? Think it, no, I think it's more like you have to be careful not to be sick because they get sick from us. Right. If you, um, I think that's the biggest concern. But no, these are habituated gorillas. Like they are used to having people up there. And yeah. that's thanks to Diane Fossey. I mean, it's, you know, she started this whole thing. But should they fear people? Because they have a lot to fear from us. Well, they're poachers, sure. Yeah. I mean, there are, you know, but... From us, no. As far as I'm concerned, I have to fear them. I'm the one who got hit and pooped on. Well, of course, on. of course. <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah, I mean, okay. Yeah. How are the populations doing? Oh, gosh. I think they were saying in lowland, there were only 700 something gorillas left, but that was years ago. So I don't know. I'm God willing, it's gone up because, you know, they are trying to protect the, it, like all the endangered species of the primates. So, yeah. I mean, I'm a primate lover. I've been in all three natural environments for the chimps and the, and chip trekking. That's one. That's a tough one. That's, yeah. that's hard to do. Have you thought about working, like making that like kind of your I have. career? I thought about working. I, I like the um, orangutan, so that would be uh, Indonesia. And yeah, I've considered living there and moving there um, at least for a good year. Listen, if I don't get a job soon, I'm going to have to go somewhere. So, <laughs> hey, <laughs> like, we all might. I'm, I'm working on like, where am I going to go? Yeah. So We're all but, like looking at an escape route. Totally. And I love Ethiopia. That's one of my favorites as well. See, I only went through the airport there and I didn't, oh, uh, I wanted to stop. Oh, it's fantastic. Ethiopia. What do you like about it? Well, it's divided into I love two- the food. See, I don't, well, I don't. You don't eat, like it? No, I live on peanut butter, so, but that's a whole oh. other, yeah, I'm not a foodie. Like okay. I, yeah, peanut butter. I know that. Peanut, peanut butter, butter bread that's how and, you live? Yeah, seriously. And all the world's yeah. wonderful cuisines. No. It's lost on you. Yeah. Ugh. It's such a shame. I lose the culture and the food, but I'm more than make up for it with the culture with the people. Okay. I'm the one who jumps in. 
I was thrashing my body one time, f- freaking out with the along the voodoo route in in um, Burkina Faso and and I I I'm not Burkina in um. Yeah, Togo, Benin, and Burkina Faso on the voodoo route. And these kids were putting themselves into a voodoo trance. And I was thrashing with them. And I get up and sing with the kids. I've taught Duck, Duck, Goose around the world. And Okay, so now we're talking Western Africa, which yeah, most people don't go to. Yeah, that's true. So um, how did you find that? And tell me about the voodoo route. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Wagadougou. <laughs> I just love saying that Gesundheit. word. Like, what is that? Mean? Everybody needs to go to Wagadougou. It's like... Um, now, where's that and what is it? Uh, it? It's in the area with Togo, Benin, and it's just a town. They call it a city, for lack of a better word, but um, this is where voodoo is the religion. I mean, voodoo was the original religion. So, uh, And it made its way... With the slaves to Haiti and all that. Yes. And I mean, these people, there are markets, voodoo markets. Like I went to voodoo markets and I have photos of um, all the animal heads and skins. And you just go and buy whatever you need to put in your bowl and your potions. And um, I mean, there are, (laughs) they have baskets full of dead rats. They have baskets full of um, dead birds. They have baskets like dog heads and um, crocs. And I mean, it's, really quite bizarre to use very with rituals yes okay. yes and it's you know and they don't like the photos but like I was, i'm well received most of the time so i've been able to take pictures of things that i think a lot of people don't get photos of but it is very interesting and i went to the mali desert festival in timbuktu which is that the music one yes and everybody needs to go that okay. is like the best festival i've ever been to so this is Pretty a awesome. music festival that's yeah. basically out in the middle of the desert yeah, it's yeah in the yeah. middle of nowhere totally out. like i was sleeping in timbuktu on sand dunes in tents and it was music 24 hours a day from musicians from mostly around Africa, but other countries as well. Do you have to buy tickets or can you just show up? You get tickets and like you... How do you get there? To Timbuktu or to well, the festival? To this festival in the it's middle of It's kind of like, it's almost like Coachella or um, like going to uh, Burning Man. So yeah. like you just, you go online and like you can contact com- like local West Africa companies that'll get the tickets for you. Um, I don't suggest going alone. The year that I went, there were actually... They were going to cancel it, and thank God they didn't, because I went. I built this one-month trip around West Africa, around the festival and the voodoo route. So those were the two things that I got my month out of. And uh, what happened is uh, they were going to cancel because Westerners were being kidnapped. Oh. And they moved it from out of the far desert closer into Timbuktu. And that was the one year it was actually in Timbuktu. And that's why oh, I stayed okay. on the sand dunes there. So they moved the, the location. Is that, is it, it was easier to provide security? Uh, it's just closer in. So like you're closer to Mali, uh, yeah. like into the normal like township. Are these all African musicians and artists? Most of them, but they were really from all over the world. I mean... Oh my God. And I was like on stage at one point. It, w- it was like the best festival ever. Like you don't sleep. All you do is dance. All you do is just dance and meet people and hang around these tents. And it's just magical. <laughs> Freaking crazy stuff happening. That's great. Yeah, it was beautiful. But people, for people who don't really know about Africa, and a lot of people don't, I always tell people that it's really, it's much bigger than people think it is. Africa's enormous. Africa. And, and, and like, yeah. if you look at a standard map, it limits the size of it, like, yeah. through perspective. 
Yeah. You know how like Greenland is much smaller than it looks on like a flat map, <laughs> yeah. but in a globe I've it's been smaller. There too. Yeah. But Africa, <laughs> like going across it, is enormous. It's difficult, it, and it's expensive to fly from one side to the other. Yeah. That's why I haven't done them together. Like they've all been separate trips. Oh yeah. You so can. except the very first one, because I did go from Egypt to South Africa. I mean, I literally went north to south. Yeah. And that's know. a haul. That's like it a, is a haul. Like eight, ten hour <laughs> was, flight or something. It was it was quite the yeah. little track. But I think, you know, Westerners focus so much on they do go to Egypt still, but they do, you know, Kenya, Tanzania. Some people do right. the like Namibia, Botswana. A little bit of Morocco. A I little bit of Morocco and now and I South guess Africa. Tunisia is But they getting, jump all the way to South Africa. Mm-hmm. They go to down to down to the like yeah. Cape Point and stuff. But uh again that like, Ethiopia that the I wanted to get back to that because I wanted like the north is like the historic north and the history, but the south is that southern Omo Valley where you have all the cultures of the people. So like I stayed in the village with the Mercy women. They're the ladies that have the big plate in their upper lip. Oh yeah. So I was in their village and I had like the most amazing it's probably my favorite story of any place I've been. And the matriarch invited me into her hut. Now this woman was old, breast down to her you know, stomach, her lip plate. She had a watch literally hanging from the middle of her forehead because they pick up anything and or, like and make it ornate and wear all the jewelry and, <laughs> like because it's beautiful. Right. So she has this big like man's gold watch hanging down her forehead and she invites me in her hut, which is like an honor in and of itself. Like this is, I tell people when they travel, don't be a tourist and take pictures from the outside. These people want to learn about you too. Like you, people have to inter- interact with people and that's what I get out of travel. Uh, so I go into her hut and it was like a little I Love Lucy scene. So it's me to Amharic, Amharic to local language, local language to her dialect. And we are literally translating like this. And some kids come in the tent, like a girl and a teen. And I said to them, do you have any questions for me? And the teen girl through this, you know, uh, translation thing comes back and says, are you married? And they were very surprised because I said no. And that's They're little surprised when I of. said it. Yeah, I, you know, you're sure. Why everybody, not? What's wrong with you? Yeah. Any woman who doesn't have, especially doesn't have children. Well, that was next. Yeah. The next kid asked me, do you have kids? And I'm like, no. I start, and, I start lying. Uh, right? Like you want to show just, photos of my niece and nephew <laughs> and go, here's my son and daughter. <laughs> it's true because it gets you off the hook. Yeah. Because yeah. it's very... It's very... It's inconceivable. It, it is inconceivable. And what happened was I said, I don't have kids, but I have a cat. And he's my baby. I love him. And it goes to the matriarch and the matriarch comes back with her hands are cupped under her, you know, her hands are on top of each other in mm-hmm. front of her as if you were cradling a child. And she said... How does the cat attach to the nipple? <laughs> and it was the most literal. And I, it was amazing. Like, it was super cool, right? Yeah, and that's I, funny. It is. And I, I went back to her and I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I understand how you misunderstood me. But I put a bowl of water on the floor for him to drink. And I put, you know, and I'm using my hands to put the bowl of food on the floor for him to eat. But I call him my baby because I don't have kids. And I said, but he's my pet. 
And she came back with, we have pets too. We have cows and sheeps and dogs. And she wails her arms in the air and summoned a child. And the little kid runs out and comes back and brought me the cutest little puppy. This tiny puppy. And they put it in my lap for me to pet (laughs) while we continued our conversation. Like, that's that great. Was an awesome story. Like it was just super cool. I'm gonna start bringing those photos of the that come in the picture frame, <laughs> and just say this is my family. This is my house. I just Photoshop my, my face children. in it. Yeah, and then yeah. I have a fake uh, fake photos. Yeah, just because. Yeah, I mean it's a conversation you get locked yeah. into. That it's just it's. But well, when I go to certain countries, I wear a wedding a wedding yeah. band, uh, especially like because a woman traveling alone with men, I have to be careful sometimes. So. Um, yeah, I wear a little ring. Any scary incidents anywhere in the world of being followed or, um, you know, just being a woman (laughs) alone? I did stop a pickpocketer while her hand was in my fanny pack and I slapped her hand. I was in McDonald's. Where was that? (laughs) In Spain. I got slapped. First of all, I'm I'm still mad at you for eating at McDonald's I know, I know. No, that's how I live. I know. And then I got slapped on a bus by a crazy woman in Spain, in Madrid. She was... Is this your first trip? (laughs) No, no, no. I've, I've been to Spain several times. This crazy woman on a bus, and she was talking to her. So I mean, she was schizophrenic. Right. Well, you get that here. And in, she was yelling, <laughs> right? And the bus driver was watching her, and he started yelling at her. And I was sitting very close. And when I stood up to get off, she took her hand as far as she could and literally whopped me. I mean, she. In the face? Oh, yeah. This wow. woman hit me really hard. I didn't do anything. Anything. I was in. Sh- I just was so stunned. It was so bizarre. Yeah, that's totally so bizarre. Crazy. I've had weird stuff. Happen. I've been sick in countries. I've which countries? Okay, so Is I almost, food poisoning. No, clearly well, not. Like, I don't yeah, eat anything. Peanut butter and Nutella everywhere. I, I don't like Nutella. I don't oh, like hazelnut. God, no, no. You no. are difficult. No. It, wow. <laughs> it's actually quite simple. Give me bread and cheese. What's difficult? <sighs> It's the easiest thing in the world. So, okay, I almost died of cholera in Zimbabwe. I passed out from <laughs> so much, and they found me. Was this me. from water, tainted water? Yeah, it was after I white water rafted the, oh, the yeah. Zambezi, and so that was that was really tough. I woke up in a hospital. That was very scary, and then but they took really good care of me, and I didn't want anyone to know I was sick. So I just told everybody that I was having such a great time. I was extending my because they quarantined me. I couldn't leave. So I just long? said I was, oh, it was only a week and a half. I was a week fine and a half? After, yeah, oh. I was fine after that. And they helped me change my flights and everything. The people in Zimbabwe were fabulous. And then I got super sick in Vietnam, and they had to IV me in my hotel room. <laughs> in my oh, hotel room. No. I was so, so sick. Oh, my God. Yeah, and, I've had some weird stuff happen. And that's mostly food or water related, right? Yeah, you mostly yeah. water. I haven't had any food issues. Like, okay. I mean, I've had a few, like, yeah, but not bad. Mostly water. Can you pinpoint it in Vietnam where, where the water was from? Or where it, where it got you? No, it's hard to know. I absolutely have no idea. Have you been to India? Because India took me okay, down. Okay, so... Was, <laughs> India was... India uh, takes a lot of people yeah, down. Yeah, that's, that's common. No, but I spent two months there. I, I just... I, it was hard being a woman traveling solo there for two months. Oh, yeah. Did they stare at you with your red hair? It's and, just everything. Like, it was super crazy. But I love Aranasi. 
and I went to the Mahukumela. So this is one of the largest Hindu festivals in the world. Uh, it's quite sacred. It happens every 12 years and it switches location in four locations. And I was in Allahabad and it normally this festival is called the Kumela, but the year that I went was an auspicious year. And again, I planned my entire trip around two months in India because of this one festival. And all the planets were straight in alignment, and it only happens once every 144 years. And so I went during this auspicious year, and there were 12 million people at the Ganges River the day that I went to spend the festival there. And I will tell you, it was a sea of color, people basking their cows in the sand, people were making their pancakes and clay pots in the sand. Uh, I can't, I, there were um, the naked sadhus, the holy men roaming around the beaches. There were snake charmers. I went up to a snake charmer who had a cobra with his head out. And I'm like standing next to the cobra with his <laughs> mouth open. Like I get super up close and personal with things yeah. I should not get yeah. near. I've played with Gorillas, tigers. Orangutans. Wait a minute. I've played with tigers. I've played with cheetahs. Played with? Wait a minute. What? Is, how? Well, <laughs> you didn't go up to those drugged uh, tigers had, in no. Asia, did you? Oh my god, I would never. I Thank would you. never support that ever, ever. But I've I've, did, I've done like the cage shark dive. I did a cage yeah, crocodile dive. Um, the crocodile dive is cool. Where was that? Uh, in South Africa. Cage crocodile. They do it in Australia as well. Okay. Oh yeah, they're, that's scary because they're just big and their mouths open yeah. underwater. How close do they get? Do they bite the cage? Um, no, they. They swim past it. Yeah. But it's not like a shark because a shark will actually come and open its mouth to bite a cage. Yeah. The crocs don't do that. And you, ha- there are different ways you can do it. I did it in an open cage with bars, but they also have glass round ones. So it just depends where okay. you do it. But you're above the water because the, isn't there water like, like crocodile water is really murky? and It's very murky and it's low. Yeah. So it's not Shallow like water. diving like with a cage shark dive. It's totally different. So is the cage just sitting in the... In a shallow Kinda water? Kind of sits in a shallow water. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, I've swam with manatees, and but they're just giant bees. They're, they're yeah. easy. The next yeah. one I want to do is the, um, I want to swim with whale sharks. Oh, yeah. So I'm dying to do that. I've done that in uh, Mexico. I never, but it, I want to do that. It, it came oh on a God. scuba dive that I was on. And was then, it amazing? Yeah, I mean, it's like a bus going by you. They're huge. Oh, my God, I want to do that. Like, yeah, I know there's a place so in Mexico. Is it Isla Mujeres, maybe? Mexico does it in a few places. Yeah. Australia has it. Yeah, I definitely want to do that. Yeah, I mean, they're beautiful. Yeah, they're beautiful. But uh, it can get crowded, like... Totally, uh, yeah. Tourists sure. and um, people come too I close. Know, it's a bummer, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, let's see, where else have I... I spent six and a half months in the South Pacific, so I did all of Australia, New Zealand, Papua New Guinea. I love Papua. I love all the places that have, like, the, you know, the men with sticks in the nose. Right. And now, Papua New Guinea, I heard, is one of the most dangerous places in the world. What? Not Papua New... It was a Borneo. Maybe well, I'm thinking of Borneo, yeah. one of those. Uh, why? What's the capital of there? Uh, Port Mors- Moresby is... Yeah, um, Port Moresby. Well, it's not the safest, but you don't go to PNG to, to go there. Like, yeah. you, Unfortunately, you have to go through it. And they do say be super careful. Like when you get in the car, you lock your doors, you close your windows because they, hij- they do like kind of hijack. But once you get past that, it's totally safe. Okay, maybe okay, not. Okay. <laughs> maybe not 100%, but like, 
I do heed warnings from the CDC, you know, like, or not the CDC, but from, you know, like the sure. government warnings and stuff. But if, listen, especially here in America, like we, people put the fear of God in us to like go travel. Oh so yeah, of course. I, I do pay attention to warnings, but like, once you get out of those areas, like I was up in the Highlands, I took a plane and flew into the Highlands of Papua New Guinea. And I was with, I spent time with the um, Asaro Mudmen. They're the ones that wear the big clay white. And I put one on my head and I was dancing around with them. That thing weighed like 5 million pounds. But how do you organize that? You just, uh, did I do you work a with a tour research. company? Or I, did, you, did you just going by yourself? I go by myself. So so this is, I've planned all of my own itineraries. I've hired my own companies and drivers. And so what I do is I contact local companies. I kind of I do all my research, decide what I want to see and do, write it out, send it to four or five local companies, let them put it back in order because my order is usually not 100%, right? Because I don't know roads and stuff. I let them bid. I narrow it down. And then I call and I say, can I talk to the driver first? Um, and this takes time sometimes. Sometimes I'm more spur of the moment. And then I hire someone. I go and hope they show up at the airport. <laughs> I, that's, you know, how I've, I mean, a few times they have in Egypt. Nobody was there. Four o'clock in the morning. Nobody's at the airport. I finally took a taxi to the hotel. They didn't have a reservation for me for that night. It all worked out. You yeah. know, it's learning patience on the road well it's sounding like with all these skills i mean you could you could organize trips for others or you'd be a successful travel agent if they, they, they still exist i I, I absolutely would never have the patience <laughs> to deal with people i you know what I'm people sorry. have told me that and i'm with you i'm with you it's, i don't know if you've dealt with the general public on, i, on I have i mean you've been in sales so you know what you're dealing with out there yeah but especially travel i mean i have to say i feel like I don't want to condone that, you know, a lot of places around the world uh, probably don't favor American travelers. I get that. And I don't want to like say anything to like agree with it, but I have to like we, and not that we're loud because I find we're much quieter than so many other places. So I don't agree with that. Oh my God. Come on. We're loud people. Go to a store in Van Nuys and tell me that Americans are, are as loud as the, his. No, oh, yeah, <laughs> not, I'm not even. There's people, there are cultures that are louder than we sure, are. Sure, of course. But what it is, is we're demanding or we're, I, I'm going to say ignorant. I think of course. when we, you it's know. An, it's, an, it's an arrogance combined with ignorance, which is a it's dangerous. It's arrogance and ignorance, and it's a bad combination. combination. Yeah, I mean. Yes. Um, I could never deal with the questions people would ask. Yeah, people, you do a lot of research before you go to a place. <laughs> Most people do none. That's right, they and, don't. And then complain why things are different when they go somewhere else because they're not like it is at home. <laughs> oh and my so, God. But, but those people, are, but those so people are also typically not going to, to I know, they're not gonna Papua New Guinea. Like, I right. mean, they're going to Cancun. But you know You know, what? and taking cruises and listening to me tell jokes. That's the <laughs> problem. <laughs> well, the other thing too is our culture doesn't... Con- we, don't, we don't condone we don't travel. In, we don't inspire travel in We're our trying youth. to. It'll, you it, and I are trying to. But yeah, we are. We're, we're fighting a losing battle. Like we get two weeks vacation. Like you can't yes. go to Africa and experience anything. I mean, you get... you. You experience it when you get to hang out with the people and get to know it a little bit. It takes two days to get there, two right. days to get home. So until we change that, and we don't encourage our youth to take a year off between university or college. Gap year. And a gap year. And I think, you know, that's crucial. I wish and they somebody- need it most of all. Totally need it before they start life. So what we do is you work, 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 work. 
and you save. And then when you're retired and too old to climb anything, that's when you go and you travel. So you're cruising. And if things are not to the US standard, I mean, I remember being in Turkey. I spent a month in Turkey. This is one place I did do a tour. Once in a while, I do a tour. So, you know, you get nice people, you get rude people. But like, I just, Americans tend to, like if the standard is different, if the way the beds are, China beds are the hardest thing. It's like sleeping on a rock. And I don't care where you go in China, that is the way their mattresses are. And we'll have people that are complaining and like, that's the way they live. Like yeah. you can't fight that. And I will say in all the, uh, the tours I've taken, the most complaints they get usually from the English. Really? Yeah, I don't find usually. that. I find British. Uh, I don't even care what they say. I just like their accent. Yeah, they see, they yeah, sound I mean, so nice. Yeah. And it's <laughs> like we have such a harsh accent. You know, we're very, it's cut well, of course, solid. And, and it wouldn't be as harsh if we weren't as loud. Yes. Yes. And you don't okay. notice it from true. the Brits as much because no, it's, the, uh, it's, it's softer. It's but flowery. It's still, it flows. They're it's, miserable. You know what it is? They're melodic. <laughs> it's very Not melodic. No, well, especially when they drink. <laughs> yeah, I was just in this. Uh, Australians, the British, the course. Germans. Uh, anybody who drinks. And now the Russians are getting that yeah, uh, rep around the world. You know, um, they go in big groups. <laughs> yes. And I cut them some slack because a lot of it's new money. You know, these are people that haven't really gotten around the world. And the Chinese as well. They're starting to get around a lot more. Now they have some money. But they, you know, they go in big, giant groups. They don't, uh, they tend not to speak any other languages. And, um, but at least the Chinese don't get drunk and, you know, no, they fight don't. in trash places. I think about that when, you know, I've interviewed some people here that have started, you know, they do tours and they, they bring groups around and trying to please everybody. I it's know how difficult. I would be. I would, you know, I could never do it. And then some idiot puts on a bad Yelp review or TripAdvisor know, and right? then that sinks your business yeah, or whatever. Totally. It's, and it's people show up late, man. Like people are yeah. not respectful, and you just, you it's too much responsibility. And we're, you and I are just too used to traveling alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm totally. And then we got to yeah. wait for people, yeah, which no. is really Isn't that the worst? tough. It's really totally, tough. Yeah, it's worse. But I was, in, I was in China for two months. and Okay, I, I still haven't done mainland China. Okay, so I, I spent two months there, and I saw every beautiful thing China had to offer. I mean, that country is amazing but it is a very rough place for a woman to travel alone. And I think that's why I have that opinion that I do because I remember walking into a business and I was looking Especially at... Especially if you don't know Chinese. No, and, and I certainly know none. Um, <laughs> so you're walking into a business. Sorry, I walk I in and, you know, I was just looking at something and he said, are you buying anything? And I'm like, well, I'm just looking. He says, then get out. And that's what he said to me. <laughs> I have to laugh. Yeah, and customer service, just, it, it really was, hasn't it found a, its way. It was a little business oriented for me a little too business and they're great business people so they're winning i don't (laughs) know if you've noticed they're winning they're yeah yeah ghana (laughs) they're buying a lot of um, they're buying up africa yeah and it's it's a scary kind of thing because i remember being in tanzania you know you pay enough money to these governments and they'll get what they they want to put like a train route right through the Serengeti to get to the mines and everything else. Can you and you pay it off you, enough people, it'll, it'll happen, like you know, the going, migration routes. And, right, like going down into the Ngorogoro crater and yeah. you have to do it by like some kind of an elevator lift or something. Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> an escalator. It's dangerous. Yeah. It's dangerous, but... Oh, no, it's terrible. I don't know. So where do you want to go that you haven't been? So I'd really like to do Central Asia. I want to see Kazakhstan and the five stands. And then I would like to do Azerbaijan with Armenia and Georgia. 
that would take me, uh, let's say, two months. Uh, I'd like to do Mongolia. I haven't done that yet. And I'm dying to go to Sri Lanka. So I've done the India and Nepal. Yeah, I'd love to go to Sri Lanka. I've done That's Bhutan, on my list. But, and I just found, I'd probably do a tour of Sri Lanka. I, I know it's easy to get around, but the tour was so perfect and it was mm-hmm. so inexpensive. I just thought it's a great way to, to see most things and then spend a little time on my own there. What kind of, what tour companies do you like and would recommend that you've worked with before? Well, there are very few and they're local companies overseas. There is one, Gate One Travel. I did Israel with them and I thought they were amazing. Gate One? Gate One and it's the number one and then travel.com and I recommend them all the time at my travel meetups and everyone that has gone on trips and many of the people, I have like 5,000 people on my meetup groups. So there have been several people that have gone with them and they've all been happy with that company. Tell me about the, uh, the meetup groups when you started those and why and what is the basic theme of it to get more people to travel or do you try to teach them a certain way to travel so my fantasy with 5000 people in my meetup groups is for them to make me famous however none of <laughs> none of them will sign up on my my uh for my newsletter on my website so it doesn't do me much good but my goal of doing the meetup groups was uh, every time I want, because I want to meet people like me that like to travel, my friends don't understand me, and my family's all gone. Yeah. So <laughs> we find our we find our tribe where we we have to find our peeps, one of right? The best parts like we need peeps. It, you know? and that's why cities are good. Whatever you're into, you can find somebody who's yes. Well, Meetup, I just think it's the greatest thing alive. I think whoever started Meetup, and I heard it was because of 9/11 actually that the founder of it was trying to find people to commiserate and to, yeah. to talk to about that. So anyway, uh, my Meetup group was to provide a safe place where people could, you know, share tips, and I wanted to like talk with people and do my travel presentations and my slideshows of all my trips. And so I started it and they grew and grew and grew. And, but seriously, I really like my next one, I made it a free event and it's on October 16th in Santa Monica at Spaces. And I have um, the woman who she's the North America representative for the Brazil Tours Board. And she's going to be the speaker presenting on Brazil. So on this one, like first time I've done this, I said free if you sign up for the newsletter on my website. We'll see if it works. (laughs) I figure if I get enough followers, I'm waiting to be discovered. Like I think someone needs to find Elisa Coton in Van Nuys, California, (laughs) because I deserve to have my own travel show because I would have the most exciting um, (laughs) show ever. But that's, you know, my fantasy. So So you're like me. I guess we, we hit all the continents. Yep. How did what was your Antarctica experience and oh. how did you get there? I was working on a cruise ship, so oh, totally cool. Yeah, how so fun. How did you make it down there? So I saved a lot, yeah, it ain't, it ain't easy. Of money. Uh, it's ridiculous, it really is ridiculous. I'm sorry, it, it's, a, it's a scam, but it is <laughs> what it is. Um, oh, wait, I did want to say this earlier. So, what I did when I was young because I started traveling, I would do temp jobs. And do short-term work, save money, quit, go away for as long as I could, come back and start over. So I've had no job security for most of my life. So that's been my life. So that's how I did most of my Welcome travel. Welcome to America. Yeah, right? I, You know, who cares about retirement? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing all my travel now. That's what my dad said. Someone he, can throw me in a home, whoever takes care of me, whatever. It's one of my earliest life, life lessons. Well, yeah. not early. So my dad passed away at 
67. And he thought he worked his entire life and just thought he could do it when he when he was retired. Is, and then his body fell apart. I'm so yeah. sorry. And I it's it is and a he shame. Said, he's it is said do it while thing. you can do it. While yep. you can physically do it. You know, yep. travel is hard. Yep. Machu it can be Pichu. physically hard. Oh my God. You know? I remember being at Machu Picchu and I'm running around like a crazy woman climbing yeah. in one mountain to the next. And all the older people that had waited until they, they retired the were sitting at the and... bottom and like taking pictures because what could they do? Yeah. And my mom died at 62 and my dad was 67 also. And it's like they didn't do anything. Yeah, I remember thinking of that. Just going through these old cities in Europe and, and going through, I took my mom through Ireland for 80th. And we would go through... Oh, um, that's so sweet. Yeah, wow, thanks. Uh, I'll tell her you said... <laughs> You're such a good son. She, uh, <laughs> but, you know, we would go to these castles, and yeah. you know, they're all stairs. There's yeah. not like there's escalators, you know, so she couldn't go up to some of these, you know, she couldn't... It's hard. So you're not getting a full experience, yeah. and you, you know, I can imagine being, you know, not being able to walk through Rome oh, yeah. or something, you know, and yeah. up the steps of whatever. Yeah. It's you're missing half the experience. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I like even like Bolivia, which is such an interesting place to visit, the altitude would totally get some. Like, oh, yeah. I had a hard time, let alone someone who's older. Like, yeah, I'm just glad I'm doing it now. And now I forgot what question you asked me because I interrupted it and said the thing about quitting jobs. No, I interrupted. What did you? No, I did. What did you ask me? Because it was good that I wanted to answer. Oh. What did I? Okay, hit rewind. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, um, yeah, well, well, I anyway. asked you about what, like, I mean, places you've been wanting to. How did you get to Antarctica? That's what it was. Thank you. Okay. Back. We You're rewind. So good. I asked the court reporter, where did okay. uh, Antarctica? Mike is on his game. <laughs> I'm just going to say, best interviewer oh, ever. Yeah, thanks. And you have to tell me a joke at some point. Oh. I'm just saying. But uh, you got to okay. pay. You got to pay to get on there. Uh, okay. On the ship to get, for the um, jokes. So I did a 21-day trip, and I went to South Georgia. I went to the Falkland Islands, and I did the longest trip I could find. I went on a Russian icebreaker, uh, 93 passengers. Uh, it was called the Yaffe, I-O-F-F-E, Yaffe. A Russian icebreaker. Yeah, it was With super cool. How many passengers? 93. 93 passengers. 93 and a crew of 75-80. For how long? Uh, 21 days. 21 days on a Russian icebreaker. It was super awesome. How did you find a Russian icebreaker? Um, well, I wanted something small. I wanted under 100 passengers. And I wanted to do Falkland Islands in South Georgia. Because I think you miss so much if you just go to the continent. Or, you know, And it's not even the continent. I mean, let's face it. We're going to like the tip yeah. of Well, my know, ship couldn't get Antarctica. to... We, we, had a, we were supposed to stop in the Falklands. But because of the rough seas, we couldn't Yes, they can be rough at times. Yeah. How was your... My, the Drake Passage for us going down we got the Drake Lake coming up we got the Drake Shake which as they say so it was four was, days of rough I was sea. so sad we didn't have that and I like wanted to cry because I wanted the Drake Passage experience I don't think you did I as did, someone who went no, through it I'm sorry. I, I'd, I the waves were going over my window I wanted to see that <laughs> okay we had calm waters we didn't move the ship did not move oh. during the entire Drake Passage, and I only got one route because we we came around. So we went we went to Falkland, we went to South Georgia, and then we hit um, okay. the con. You know, we hit mainland, uh, the the tip of yeah. Antarctica, and then we went through Drake's Passage to get back to um, Isha, uh, Ushuaia. Ushuaia, yeah. So I did from Ushuaia. So 
but it was super cool. And I did the kayaking and I kayaked with whales. There is a photo of me taking a picture of one whale and this other whale had come up that I hadn't even seen right next to my kayak. His tail is in the air and his tail is wider than my kayak. And he's like right next to me. <laughs> That's great. It's super cool. I'm so glad somebody from the ship got it. But uh, yeah, so I did the kayaking and we were going to camp on the ice, which was the most important thing to me of the whole trip. Oh, you got to camp? No. Oh, you didn't? No. <laughs> because you were they, supposed to. they suited us up. Yeah. They got us ready. We had the whole hour spiel and we're about to go into the uh, Zodiacs to go. And all of a sudden we started getting a snowstorm and oh. they canceled it. And we were talk about a group that was disappointed. So they said, what we'll do is we can, we can like pretend it's the ice and we can sleep on the outside of the ship. Well, we're like, no, we don't want to be cold on the ship. We wanted to be cold on the ice. Yeah. So we, nobody did it. <laughs> Oh, well, that's <laughs> but it was so super bummer. But it was, you know, it was my last continent and it was on my 50th birthday. And so I'm laying in the ice and I made a big 50 and I put a big seven up on my hands, seven, you know, on my 50th birthday. Like it was super cool. Um, well, let's kind of wrap it up because uh, we got to get you back on the on the road, on the road. And by the road, I mean the 405. Uh, on the road means in a plane and flying yeah, somewhere overseas. Thank um, you. Where does your next trip? Do you uh, have it planned? I'm going to guess probably Sri Lanka because okay. it'll take less time than doing Central Asia. But uh, I just I really want to mix in with the people there. There's a festival. I can't remember the name, but I, I like cultural festivals. So I own a bunch of domains. And one of them is culturalfestivalguru.com. I don't have anything on it right now. But um, I'd like to utilize that at some point. And uh, I also have social impact tours because I think impact travel is getting really big. And I would like to do something where, because I liked working at that orphanage. And I'd love to do something where I'm like helping local people. I just volunteered at an event here in L.A. Uh, uh, at Stanley Black's house. And it was for uh, Wells for Hope. And they build wells in, uh, oh, in Africa. And they're amazing. And I was just volunteering at their fundraiser. So I like to give back and I like to participate with all of that. Uh, yeah. Do you utilize, are you a, like travel hacking? Do you use points and miles, airline miles? Are you into all that? <laughs> yeah, totally. Okay. I'm like totally into like my points guide. I, I think he's, I love him to death. He's <laughs> super cool. Um, I used to like Johnny Jett, like I'd follow him and, you know, I like their stories and I don't, I don't, he, there's a writer, Rolf Potts, and uh, I just love him and he, doesn't know who I am, but he was, he spoke at a travel show many, many years ago. And I went up to him and I said, I really like cultures of people. And he said, Oh, you should go to Ethiopia. I'm like, really? He said, yeah, look into it. There's all these cult. Anyway, that's what prompted that next trip. That's where I ended up going. And I owe it to him just from him saying one little thing to me at a travel show. <laughs> I remember, okay, I was at an airport in some, um, wherever I was. And I met a couple who was older and retired, and they were talking about Irian Jaya. Do you know Irian Jaya? Okay. So I said, well, what's Irian Jaya? And they're like, well, you can be on the water, and then you're hiking with the Lani and Doni, the original headhunters of Indonesia. And I'm thinking, this sounds friggin' fascinating mm. to me. 
And I did go. I had to get government permission before getting there. I had to fly up and turn over my passport when I arrived. It was me by myself with three Indonesians, only one sort of spoke English. We picked up two men off the street to carry my bags. You, it was so intense. And I hiked for eight days, staying hut to hut in the mountains with these headhunters. And like you pass children, two, three-year-olds carrying machetes. Anyways, I bought a pig for a village. And the chief shot an arrow through it. The kids opened up the pig, pulled out all the organs, bled all over the place. And then we helped, we cooked it in the grounds with hot rocks and, and the banana leaves. And they had a huge festival for me because I bought this pig for this village. And we danced. And, you know, it's all naked people with like the, the sticks and the nose. I mean, it was... Wow. This is the stuff I love. Oh, and when you see a man on the road and they grab your forearm and you grab their forearm and you look at them and eye to eye and you scream, wah, 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 wah. And that means it's okay to proceed and you're safe. I will tell you, I did not sleep for seven nights because I was terrified. The first hut I stayed in was leech infested. And luckily my tent had like a little like plastic bottom, but you know, it was very weird. And yeah. You've just been saving this whole headhunter story to the end. Isn't that funny? Like, well, I have a million stories. Like, (laughs) do do you have another hour? Like I I have some interest. Oh, can I tell you the penis gourd story, please? You had me a penis gourd. Okay, cool. So whenever I travel, I always have a bag of stuff that I give away. I go to Oriental Trading or Fun Express, and I I buy the dog tags, American flag dog tags, and American flag mini beach balls and pencils. And anyways, I carry this stuff, and I give it to kids along the villages and stuff. So in most villages, I usually give a bag to the chief because they like to distribute. In Asia, they let the kids line up and you can give things one at a time, but Mm -hmm. there they want to do it. So I give the chief my bag of stuff for his village and he wanted to thank me and to repay me, he gave me his penis gourd. Now here's the cool thing. Was he wearing it at the time? (laughs) He gave me the one he just switched over. Okay. This was a special penis gourd because it had fur. It was fur lined. So it had fur at the top. Yeah, all right. I can get one of those down at uh, West Hollywood. <laughs> I brought one home for my father, actually. His, what? His, Your dad? His wife tells me my father would go around the house dancing with a penis gourd on. I'm like, these are not things I That's needed to great. know about my dad. That's great. But wait, so, okay. So I bring this penis gourd home. Oh, and then one, a little boy gave me his. And it was like a really little one with the, curl, the, the wood curled at the top. So Aww. penis gourds tell you which tribe they're from. So they're all very unique to their tribe. So I get home and I used to have stuff all over my walls. So I hang the penis gourds up. And this is actually a longer story, so I don't know how to shorten it. But one day I saw a little moth in my house. I was like, what is that from? A moth. A moth. Anyway, I see another one. And I'm like, this is weird. Anyways, this was going on for weeks. I'd find one. Anyway, I'm following one one day. And I would kill them as I see them. And I had mothballs because I never had a moth problem. This moth goes up to the penis gourd that was on my wall. There were worms all over the fur. They had eaten. All, they were living off the fur that was on the penis gourd. Mind you, this was years after I had it on my wall. They ate through it, and they were like Indonesian moths. <laughs> like I brought them home probably on that fur. It was so disgusting. Anyways, I took them down oh my off God. my wall. There was no fur left. 
I have photos of before and after so now with worms. When, when they find out that these Indonesian moths are now eating all our vegetation, you, and, and they're going to find out you're going to be can you imagine? you're going to be the reason. You, On the reason you brought oh, in an else? invasive species. I brought home a spider. Once I had a spider in my African, I brought home, well, this was intentional. So you brought home an Indonesian moth, an African spider. And I have a stuffed crocodile. Yeah, that That was That doesn't sound like. I have a Garia crocodile. It seems like customs would have taken that. Can you believe I got it? Like I got it through. It was awesome. It was in my suitcase. Wow. Yeah. Super cool. Oh, I have some interesting things. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Interesting. I've held crocs. I've played with them. Oh, I do anything. I'll do anything for a photo. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it sounds Anything like Anything for bungee jump, skydive. I've done that a bunch. Aerobatic flying. I love that. Absorbing. Everybody has to absorb. Oh, is that when you go in the plastic ball and you roll down you the hill? You roll down a hill. God, you don't throw Leave up? You don't get nauseous? Never. Boy, you're lucky. I can take everything. So seasickness? Nothing. 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 Oh, that's why you wanted rough seas. <laughs> yes. How dare you? I know. You didn't have to stand up on stage and tell <laughs> jokes at a crossing the Drake Passage. That was not fun. <gasps> oh, my God. That would have been so cool. No, I want to see you. I had to like uh, sit down halfway through because it was really, so rough. It was really bad. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't have that. Oh. Kind of sad. No, it isn't. We did get in a snowstorm with the penguins, so that was fun. Oh, yeah. Did they you walked get the penguin through it poop off your shoes? They give you yes. boots at least oh, for of the course. Pe- yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Didn't smell yeah. good. We saw like the chin strap highway. Oh, <laughs> penguins are great. I know they're. I got them everywhere. That's gorgeous. Hey, I love your place, by the way. This place is friggin' awesome. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it doesn't sound. I don't have any penis gourds on the wall. Well, you know what? I I have several. I can get you a penis. No, I don't need any moths in here. No thanks. No, the the fur's all gone. (laughs) The mothworms ain't them all. Right. Um, Okay. Before we get into a million stories. Okay, I'm sorry. You, you were no. This has been great. Tell people where they can find, give the names of your sites and if you're on your social media and everything else. Okay, so I am Elisa Coton. Spell that for the people. E-L-I-S-A-K-O-T-I-N. Perfect. And the company is the World Traveled, Duh. E-D at the end, dot com. And uh, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest... That's all the, at the world traveled as spelled. Twitter's the only one that's different. It's at the world traveled, but no E at that end. So it's LD. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So it's at the world traveled on everything. And uh, I have a YouTube channel too. But I'm going to try and put a more video. So this is inspiring me because I realize I have so much fun talking. <laughs> like- so let's wrap this up in a nice oh and meetup.com slash the world traveled and join the meetup group we have so much fun it's a monthly group and we have a great time and then it's only the meetup groups are all in LA yeah I do them in LA okay in this life that you may travel a centerpiece of it basically and this has been a big part of your life maybe the main part of your life it you is. think it saved my life okay we'll talk about that how did it save you how did it change you as a person and what have you learned Thank you so much for asking that because travel for me has been a way of life that gave me purpose and gave me a reason to survive. I came from a, and I know I say I grew up in Beverly Hills. I know that that throws people off. Uh, We didn't have money. My mom didn't even have a car. She was a receptionist at a law firm who owned the building. So they gave her a low rent single parent home. My yeah, rough, rough time with parents, rough time with my family. Uh, and so it was rough growing up. 
I've had medical issues my whole life, so I've traveled the world solo with so many medical things. You can't admit. Mm-hmm. Australia kept me in the airport for five hours while they checked every medicine bag and every pill. It was crazy. They almost didn't let me in because I had so much drugs because I knew I was going to be there for six yeah, and a half you months. You look like a dealer. Oh, my God. I look like it. half my suitcase. Like, okay. My carry-on has medicine. Like, you know, it's just hysterical. Um, So when things got rough, like I said, the first three trips were from tragedy. I went on the road. I learned it it gave me something to want to experience. I mean, I cannot even tell you how travel has opened my eyes. And, you know, we're very tunnel vision here in America. And it exposed me to so many things that I just fell in love with. For me, travel's not about the food. So, yeah. you know, this is the we peanut butter cheese thing. Peanut butter and cheese. But it is about music, children, culture, and the people. Like, you know, I went to Turkey and sat in markets and played backgammon for hours with the men that, because they, they bet backgammon. That's huge. And the woman could beat them. They were shocked and their friends gathered around. We played for hours. I, I played chess in um, Ghana, in a village inside of a hut. They're like big chess players. I played Awari and uh, Gomanku in Africa. Like you sit and you play these games. Like I interact with the people, you know? Like I uh, like I said, I teach duck duck goose all over the world. <laughs> and uh, I have some, you know, it's just, oh, what I get out of it, it, it gave me a reason to live because I grew up, with a hard time and very, very depressed kid. And uh, it changed my life. Totally changed my life. That's great. And that's why it's so important to me to inspire people to travel when they're young. I, it's just so important to, to see what the world has to offer. That's great. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing this. Thanks for sitting in traffic. And thanks for <laughs> having great travel tales. I hope I, mean, I didn't end that like on a depressive no, note because it's, this has been I like, try to do the same thing and inspire people so to get awesome. out there like, because it, it can change your life and transform totally. and people need perspective now. Yeah. There seem to be a lot of um, lack of perspective and empathy and everything else. It is. We're, we have hard lives. We're rushing about all the time. We're so rushed. Other cultures are so much more laid back and they have less heart attacks and less issues than we need to because we're like so uptight and and I just love like talking to somebody who has a plate in their lip. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, yeah. You could do that here in Venice too. You could, you could walk, you could find that guy. Seriously. And oh then he'll put your name on a, on a grain of rice. But I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for like this has been so much no, fun, and I really appreciate I'm it. Glad we could work it out. I hope like five thousand people listen to this and they go to my Facebook page and like click like at the World Traveled and follow me on Instagram and Twitter so I can get discovered. That would be super cool. That'd be super. <laughs> I yeah, I'm, I'm going to sign up too. Okay, I appreciate that. <laughs> Elisa. Yes. Elisa yes, Cote, everybody. Yes. Thanks. Mike, thank you very much. Thank you. 